Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Wednesday night's game versus the Knicks. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I am your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. Segments will include my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, things to keep an eye on moving forward, and more. Before we get started with this one, I want to encourage you to go listen to episode 77 of the podcast that I recorded with Omari Sankofa, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. That was one of our weekly Tuesday episode drops where we get into all the news and storylines surrounding the team and NBA. I also just dropped my newest breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys on Sunday where I dove into Cade Cunningham during the month of December. Coming up for Motor City Hoops will be a couple more instant recap episodes before the next weekly episode that will actually drop on Wednesday when we will be joined by Chris Oliver of Basketball Immersion to talk Pistons X and O's. I also hope to have a Luca Garza breakdown on Detroit Bad Boys by the end of the week or the weekend. Make sure you follow Motor City Hoops on Twitter at Motor City Hoops and subscribe to the Motor City Hoops YouTube channel so you never miss out on any of the content. We're recording this one immediately after the Pistons' very tough 85-94 loss. Just some pregame notes. This was a loss to the Knicks, of course. Dwayne Casey back coaching after missing a few road games. Really nice to see him on the sideline. The Knicks were playing the second of a back-to-back, a low-scoring win over the Timberwolves on Tuesday night. I just want to go through this real quick. These were the 12 active Pistons for Detroit. Sadiq Bey, Hamadou Diallo, Czech Diallo, Garza, Frank Jackson, Palmer, Pickett, Potter, Robinson, Servetus, Stanley, and Walton Jr. Some names there that you guys may not recognize, some names I'm not even super familiar with. Here are the 12 inactive, that's right, 12 inactive Pistons. Cade, Jeremy Grant, Killian Hayes, Josh Jackson, Kojo, Lee, Livers, Lyles, Magruder, Olenek, Chris Smith, and Isaiah Stewart. Some of those obviously because of COVID protocol still, some of those because of injury. The Pistons coming into this game, 5-27. First quarter, lots of up and down, back and forth, but neither team making shots to start out here. Pistons go down 2-7, but come out of the six-minute timeout with back-to-back threes and actually go on a 13-0 run, forcing a Knicks timeout, but the Knicks were able to answer with a 10-0 run of their own. Game gets a little offensive flow late in this quarter, especially for the Knicks. Both teams under 33% from the field in the first quarter, but not a lot of turnover. So it's still, you know, I won't say it was great watching, great basketball, but not a lot of turnovers, just guys throwing it all over the floor. 20-23 to game, Pistons down going into the second. Only seven points outside of that 13-0 run. So were the Pistons going to be able to find any offense throughout this game? They don't, at least to start the quarter. It just it was just as ugly as the start of the game. The Pistons try to answer with a couple back-to-back threes and get some, some momentum. And then I don't want to say tragedy. That's a that's a that, that'd be overkill for this. But you know, another unfortunate event for Frank Jackson rolls his ankle and it didn't look good. They, you know, they showed it slow motion on replay, and that thing really turned. He was already dealing with one. I don't know if it's the same ankle or not, but this Pistons team can just not catch a break at all. I'll talk about that a little bit later. Going into half. The Pistons are 33% from two, but 36% from three. Eight turnovers, not awful. They were losing the rebounding battle and somehow are within seven and honestly could have been even closer. 41-48 to start the second half. Pistons open on a 4-0 run and get a quick timeout from Tibbs. I thought this was a very important point in the game. They come out of the timeout. That's usually where you see the opposing team go on a run. But no, it was our Pistons with a 7-0 run. I thought that was a huge thing for momentum to keep it going right there. 
Definitely getting a whistle to start the second half. I didn't think the whole first half they got a very good whistle. I know I don't talk about the refs and that stuff very often, but I thought it was very apparent in this game. As soon as I say that, though, or as soon as I type that into my notes, the Pistons got a couple momentum calls that go against them, and there's even some more later. They actually build a 10-point lead with five minutes to go in the third, and I you know, had me tweeting out, don't sub these dudes out, play these starters. So the starters tonight were Sadiq, Hami, Derek Walton Jr., Luca Garza. It was Frank Jackson. Obviously, at this point, he had rolled his ankle, and Cassius Stanley was getting those minutes, and then, you know they don't... Pistons don't play again until Saturday. Maybe these guys can play huge, huge minutes. And you just knew that the quote-unquote second unit wasn't really going to be able to hold the lead. They actually extended it to 14 here late in the third. And you can tell they're just hanging on. They were getting tired. They were definitely going to have to sub out a huge Sadiq Bay step back three, followed by a stop. And it looked like they were going to have all the momentum in a 10-point lead going into the fourth. And unfortunately, a turnover leads to an and one from Alec Burks, who we're going to talk a lot about in this episode about the only guy, the only positive for the Knicks. And it's just a seven point lead going into the fourth. And I just felt like you had the, the second unit had to just hold on just a little bit. Like maybe if they could get a bucket or some stops or something, slow the momentum of the game that, you know, and let those starters get a breather, then the Pistons would have a chance. But an immediate 7-0 run from the Knicks to build off the end of the third. Again, Alex Berg been very impressive on the floor. The starters do return quickly. Casey brings them back in with, I think, only two minutes into the fourth quarter. I mean, if you look at minutes, Bay plays 43, Diallo 38, Walton Jr. 36, Garza 39. That's a lot of minutes for Luca Garza. And that end of the third quarter sequence, that may have been the game changer. You guys know how much I love to talk about momentum, and that really changed momentum. Instead of the Pistons being up 10 and momentum going into the fourth, the Knicks stole it. And then it ends up being a 14-0 Knicks run going into the fourth before Bay finally hits a three. You we're gonna talk about the the Pistons trapping ball screens with Luca Garza. The Knicks finally started to get comfortable with that. They extend the lead to 10 with 430 after a couple missed chances for the Pistons. Now they do have one more flurry. Hamadou Diallo, you're gonna see Diallo and, and Sadiq Bay. You're gonna hear those names a lot during this episode. But he goes on a little flurry. Diallo does five-point game. We get a miss but give up an offensive rebound, and Burke strikes again, knocks down a three. Next possession, Nell in the coffin, four-point play to get to his 34 points on the night. Just a few takeaways for me tonight. Three, it is definitely time to get our dudes back. Like, don't get me wrong, guys. Like, there's something about watching these games that is still intriguing and exciting for me. I hope you can hear it in my voice. I had somebody tweet at me that they like the positivity and the energy that Motor City Hoops brings every episode, and it's not going away no matter what. But I am ready to see Kate. I'm ready to see Killian, Isaiah Stewart, all those guys. I'm ready to see those guys back on the floor. Um, you know, the silver lining is we've got a chance to see some guys, Sadiq Bey and Hamid Diallo in larger roles. I'll talk about that later. And then some of these other guys, it, it, it is cool stories, not just for the Pistons, but around the NBA. Now, honestly, or obviously, the circumstances around why is not great or good or anything, and it sucks, and I hate it, but... I do think there's something, if there is a silver lining, it's that we're getting to see some of these guys play. I'm not sure I see those opportunities turning in anything more for these guys. I know there's been some positive vibes, like, you know, it'll it'll be announced that they're signing so-and-so to a 10-day uh, hardship or or whatever it is, 
but I, I don't see any of these guys being any more than G League players. It will be interesting. I think these are names to keep in the back of our minds for G League players, summer league players, training camp players. But outside of those expanded roles that I talked about, and then you know a, a good long look here at Luca Garza, who, I, like I said, I'm going to do a breakdown on. I should hopefully have that by the end of the week. You know, outside of those, I'm not sure we can take more much from this. You know, I, I was talking to Wes before the episode. I'm not sure Czech Diallo has has necessarily looked great. That's a guy that was even being talked about before all of this happened as he was playing with the G League team. I don't think he's really shown it. Walton Jr. shown, shown some flashes. I thought Cassius Stanley honestly did not look good. And now it's not necessarily fair because essentially they're playing with other G League guys against NBA competition. But I, I just don't know that we've seen anything from any of these guys that's going to warrant us seeing them with the Pistons, you know, at all this season, of course, but maybe even in the future. And then my last takeaway, this team may never get any sort of chemistry. And, and this comes from the Frank Jackson rolled ankle there in the second quarter between injuries, COVID, players in and out of the lineup. Guys, I, I'm working on a, a collaboration with Matt Issa, a good friend of mine, a good friend of the podcast on Kate Cunningham for basketballnews.com. And I was telling him like, like you just haven't seen any of these lineups together. You know, Cade was hurt to start the year. Then Killian's thumb. Then then Olenek. Then Jeremy. Now COVID. Now Frank Jackson rolls his ankle. So even when these guys start to come back, Frank Jackson may not even be there to play with them. You know, and Jeremy and Olenek are still going to be out. Isaiah Livers, a guy who, you know, this would have been a perfect opportunity for him to get some minutes and a chance to see what he could do. He hasn't been playing. So, you know, it's just... It's tough right now for the Pistons. I know it is for every team in the association, but I, I just wonder if it's going to be where, one of those years where we just see a, a ton of different starting lineups, a ton of rotations, and you just maybe never see that chemistry and flow. Three player of the game tonight, like always, first, Sadiq Bay. 32 points on 19 shots. Kuka Hill, you guys know, a good friend of ours and of the podcast as well. He tweeted this out. Somebody asked, you know, what what have, have Sadiq and Hami really shown? And Ku, I think he said more opportunities and they're being more efficient in those opportunities. Like there's something to be said for the fact that they're options one and two. And not only are they scoring 32 and 31 points for Bay and Hami, but they're doing it efficiently. Nine and 19 from the field, 16 to 13 from three, eight of eight from the free throw line for Sadiq Bay, along with nine rebounds, three assists. He did have three turnovers, but I actually thought he handled double teams and made some nice reads. Now, it wasn't perfect from Sadiq Bay, but I thought he looked really, really good tonight, guys. And while I don't know that he's going to get 19 shots a lot, I thought he looked really good in his opportunities. Hamadiallo, he's my second player of the game. 31 points on 19 shots. 13 and 19 from the field, only took two threes, which I thought was really good for him because he had opportunities and he turned them down one or two from three. 13 rebounds, four assists, four steals. Again, he had four turnovers. But, I mean, again, he's having to handle the ball way more than you would expect. So those guys score 63 of the 85, and they also combined for 22 rebounds. Just a huge night from those two guys. Almost every time you looked up, it was those two guys doing something. My third player of the game, the fans for showing up to LCA tonight. I wasn't there, as you guys know. I'm, you know, I'm in the basement of my house in Southwest Kansas. But I thought it was so cool seeing on Twitter, and I believe it was Ryan Laprade. I hope I said that last name right, Ryan. If you listen to the Motor City Hoops podcast, or for somebody lets you know, he tweeted out, "I'm here tonight. Lower bowl is nearly full." Upper deck is 75% full. Great crowd. That is awesome. Again, what did I say the Pistons record is? 
right now, um, five and twenty-seven coming into the game. No Cade, no Jeremy, no Killian, none of those guys playing. And we get tweets like that talking about the fan base. And you know, they, they were talking about there's tweets talking about how it was loud and you know there's energy in the gym. That's awesome. That's why I love the Pistons community. I love being a part of it. I love that people are still going to the games, that people are still talking about it, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or or Reddit, wherever all this Pistons talk goes on. I love it. I'm here for it. And that's my third player of the game tonight is the fans. Okay, not just the ones that showed up to LCA, but all the ones listening to podcasts, engaging, going to Detroit Bad Boys, even Piston Powered, everybody. Okay, that is big time that you guys are still engaged. Two plays of the game tonight, both of them from the third quarter when the Pistons were making that run. How about a Hami rebound? Skies for a rebound. Kick ahead. Bay catches it. Immediately goes into a post-up. Love this from Sadiq Bay. He gets the double, dribbles out of it. Hummy cuts, passes to him, kind of a reverse layup and the foul. Just a beautiful possession. A beautiful you guys know how much I love those sequences. Okay, and that was a beautiful sequence there from Bay and Hummy. See how these two guys are are really dominating the episode. And then a little bit later, 555 to go in the third. Bay again takes on a double. Passes to Hami, or there's a one more to Hami, excuse me, turns down the three. I love that from Hamadou Diallo tonight. Turns down the three, drives it in, and gets the bucket. I thought those two plays were really, really big-time plays there in the third quarter when they were making their runs and just impressive from those guys. I have three things to keep an eye on. All will involve probably the three players that you will see extended minutes from for this team. First, Luca Garza. I've said that I don't think you can do anything in ball screen other than play drop coverage with Luca Garza. I've said that. And you guys, I'll hold my own receipts, guys, whenever it's necessary. Tonight, they used him trapping in those ball screen situations, and it looked good at times. It really did. Early on, it really, really frustrated the Knicks. And it looked like they were switching it up. I would really love to know whether Luca was getting to decide when it happened based on where he was at if it was on certain players or whatever it was. But I like that little switch up there from the drop coverage. Again, I'm doing a breakdown. It'll be out soon, and, I, and I'm really going to dive into Luca in the drop coverage, which quite honestly I don't think he's very good at. I hate to be negative. I don't think he's very good in the drop coverage. But the trap looked better tonight. Now, again, as me and producer Wes Davenport were talking about before the episode, you play a team that has a good short roll passer, a team with a lob threat, a team with shooters. Like it puts a lot of pressure on your defense when you're trapping or a guy that can split that, which we saw once late in the game from the Knicks. But I do thought that was a nice little switch up. Um, And then one other little thing, I think he has to become a more willing and able passer. I really do. That, you know, he's one of 10 from the field tonight. The shooting has to come. That That's a bare minimum for Luca Garza to be playing in the NBA is he's got to be making shots because that's really his positive side. Now, he is a good screen setter as well, but I think he has to be a willing and able passer. There was a play in the fourth quarter. Maybe he got fouled. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. He ends up shooting it off the back of the backboard. There was two pistons standing wide open in front of the rim if he makes the pass. Sadiq Bang. So again, I'll be honest here. He turned down two shots in the lane in the first four minutes. And I typed into my notes that as a negative. And then as I watched him play more and I thought about it, I was like, no, that's that's him staying within himself. That's him understanding his limitations and knowing what shots he should take and what shots he shouldn't. Is he a little bit of a flawed player when it, uh, talking about going to the basket and off the dribble? Yeah, maybe so. But he's still in his second year 
We've seen him try those things. It wasn't successful. He can try, he can work on it next off season for the rest of this season. I loved what we saw tonight, which was him staying within himself. And so I want to see, is this a Sadiq Bay we get when everybody is back? Is this what we're going to see? This efficiency, how will we look? If when Jeremy Grant returns, if he plays another game in a Pistons uniform, if he's not traded before he returns from the injury, is this the Sadiq Bay we're going to see? Because he's been playing really well lately for the Pistons. As I pull up his game logs, 32, 23, 23, 15, 26, 23, 28. And that would be over his last two, four, six, seven games. So really nice stretch here from Sadiq Bay. And so I think it's because he's playing within himself. He's confident. He's shooting the ball well. RB Nesbitt from Twitter talking about his defense on Randall. Okay, that's a, I think J- Julius Randall is a good matchup for Sadiq Bay. I know Julius Randall is a good player, but I think just what Julius Randall is, I think those are the kind of guys that Sadiq Bay can be matching up with and do a good job. And a shout out to RB Nesbitt. Again, I hope I'm saying that correctly. He's a, somebody that interacts on Twitter, follower, listens to the podcast. Shout out, my guy. I appreciate you interacting, listening to the podcast, and giving that little nugget there with Sadiq Bey guarding Julius Randle. And then my final one, Hamadou Diallo. And I don't – listen, you guys know how much I love Hamadou Diallo. I don't want this to be negative. I just made him one of the players of the game. 31 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals. Okay? But – the defense has to get better, guys. The court awareness has to get better. He's shown the mid-range, which I really like. He's shown the athletic ability, the rebounding. To Again, he's turned down shots to drive. I love it all. I, I really do. I, I don't want it to be too negative. But he messed up a trap with Luka Garza twice, twice where it was supposed to be a trap. Okay, And one ended up in a dunk. He gets backdoored. How about the end of a game a few games ago? He didn't know the play after the timeout. He messed that up. Like, I'm just saying those other intangible things that maybe don't always show up in a box score. And I feel like I'm always asking for more from Hami. And maybe that's the coach in me, like trying to want to see the best of Hami come out. And I know Casey and his staff is doing the same thing. And I'm sure Hami's working on it. But those are the things I want to see from Hami. Like I don't, he's not going to get thirty and thirteen every night, especially when guys return. But because his role is going to be a little bit different when everyone is back, I think he has to do those other things better. He has to be engaged defensively. There was a couple times on the ball tonight where I maybe he was just gassed, but I don't think he guarded the ball as well as he could. So again, I love everything he's doing. I don't want it to be too negative but I'd like to see those things come along as well. And something to keep an eye on for sure with him is what is his role going to be when everyone is back and healthy? You know, he's going to stay in the starting lineup as we slowly get guys back. But again, what happens, you know, if Jeremy Grant isn't traded, you know, are you going to move? You're not going to move Sadiq Bey to the bench the way he's playing. Do you move Killian to the bench and, you know, go really big? I, I, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see what his role is, starter, second unit, and then how he performs in that role when those guys get back. Some thoughts on the other team. I'm not impressed with Julius Randle in the games we've seen. I've said this before. If you listen to the podcast, I don't see a ton of other NBA games outside of the Pistons. And so a lot of my thoughts and opinions on those guys come just from those games. But what I've seen of Randle in these games and other games and just listening to other people, it seems like what happened in the playoffs last year has carried over. Honestly, it's the same with Emmanuel Quickly. I saw him at Summer League. Tonight, he did have 18 points, but on 4 of 13 shooting, not a whole lot else in the stat column. Like, 
I just haven't always necessarily been super impressed with him either. I continue to be intrigued by Mitchell Robinson, but you could see the motor questions come into play in this game. Again, as those starters for the Knicks set a lot of minutes and, and props to Tibbs for leaving those guys on the bench and rolling with his second unit and trusting Alec Burks and those guys to finish off the game. Todd Gibson's stat line wasn't overly impressive, but I thought he made some really nice plays. And then one th- thing that I want to finish, and this is a tease to a topic we'll get to in a later episode, but I want to know what you guys think. Do you think that the Knicks and Tibbs were happy with this win? Do you think they were satisfied? Because I listened to SiriusXM this morning. I believe it was the Clippers with a one-point win, and Doc Rivers got upset about a question that was asking him if he was happy with the one-point win with how many players the other team had out. And SiriusXM was saying that, like, you know, that that's an unfair question and in the NBA winnings winning no matter what. And I, I'm just curious, like, is, is that true? How do you guys feel about that? And I'll give my thoughts and opinions on that uh, on a later episode, a quick look ahead to the Spurs on Saturday night. So the Pistons get a few, a couple days off here should be the last game of everyone out. I think, I hope, right? Like maybe we're going to get Cade back. There's these new protocols that have gone into place. I'm hoping we have somebody back. Um, I'll watch the game regardless, and I'll watch with this, uh, as much focus and energy as I always do. But like I said earlier in my biggest takeaways, I'm ready for some of those guys to be back. The Spurs lost to Utah on Monday night by six. And then as we record this tonight, they their game against Miami was postponed. Um, I, I just remember now I saw that on Twitter. Miami didn't have enough players. Um, they did, couldn't suit up the eight because I believe they were t- using G League players from the I, I don't know the whole dynamics of it. If somebody can explain that to me, I would love to know. Um, but that game was postponed for the Spurs on Wednesday night. They will be playing Memphis on New Year's Eve, so it'll be a back-to-back for them. Of course, they're coming off beating the Pistons 109-144 on Sunday, where they shot 56 from the field, percent from the field, 48% from three. I am interested to see Luca Garza. You know, assuming not all those guys, not everybody is back, we'll see Luca Garza still um, and see how he looks. This was a game where he played drop coverage, and quite honestly, guys, he kind of got exposed. The bigs for the Spurs really had had their way in that, so I'm interested to see. And this is a Spurs team incredibly balanced at scoring across the board, and so it'll be interesting to see if the Pistons can put up a better fight, at least defensively. As always, I want to thank my guy Wes Davenport, the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast, who takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better for you and easier for me. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Please give us a follow on Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, and from me and Wes and all of Motor City Hoops, my family, we wish you all a fun and safe New Year's. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon.